0: This episode of the Art of Manliness podcast is brought to you by Online Great Books. If you've made a goal for yourself to read the great books of the Western world, but have had trouble following through, check out Online Great Books. It's an online platform. You sign up. They're going to mail you a physical copy of the book that you're assigned that month. They're going to provide you a reading schedule and send you reminders on how you should read so you can keep pace. Then at the end of the month, you're going to have a online video seminar where you can discuss the book with other people in your group. So if you want to learn more about this, go to OnlineGreatBooks.com. And when you're ready to sign up, use code AOM at checkout and you can save 20 5% on your first three months. Again, onlinegreatbooks.com, code AOM at checkout. Save 25% on your first three months.
1: K. here and welcome to another episode of the Art of Manliness podcast. Now, we've all heard the phrase, nice guys finish last, right? But why is that? Why do men whose female friends tell him that he'd be a great catch for some gal never get a date on Friday night? Or why is it the guy that never rocks the boat at work and is pretty much Mr. Reliable never get the raise or the promotion? Well, our guest today has written a a book about this topic, and his name is Dr. Robert A. Glover, and he's the author of the book No More Mr. Nice Guy. Dr. Glover is a psychotherapist with a Ph.D. in marriage and family therapy, and he says he's a recovering nice guy himself and has spent thousands of hours helping other men recover from the nice guy syndrome. Dr. Glover, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brett. Good to be here. Well, Dr. Glover, tell us, who is Mr. Nice Guy? What's he like?
2: Well, fundamentally, the nice guy doesn't believe he is okay just as he is. Now, this might not even be a conscious thought process. For some nice guys, it is. But for many, it's much more of an unconscious process of thinking that in order to be liked and loved and get their needs met, they have to find a way to become what they think other people want them to be.
1: Hmm, So he's basically a people pleaser.
2: That's probably one of the most fundamental ways to look at it, is that they're people-pleasers. They often avoid conflict. They have difficulty making decisions, making their needs a priority. They tend to believe they have to give to other people first before their needs can get met. Um, And, and, you know, I guess maybe in common vernacular we might say that, you know, he's the wimp, the doormat, the the spineless guy that, that wants to make everybody happy but yet lets everybody walk on him. Now, that's, that's probably the extreme caricature of a nice guy. And nice guys fall everywhere in between seeking approval versus being total doormats.
1: Yeah. And you talk in your book that, um, I thought it was really interesting, that nice guys really aren't that nice. They have some kind of ulterior motive sometimes.
2: And that is really the core fundamental issue. Probably the two issues for nice guys is, one, is that they're not that nice. And two, trying to make everybody else happy does not make them happy. Um, so there's two, two fundamental flaws in, in the, the paradigm of the nice guy. But that part about not being so nice, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one of the first ones, if, if you are trying to please people, you are always going to be fundamentally dishonest. Uh, I tell the men I work with, there, there's uh, only one way to be in integrity, and that is to ask yourself what feels right, what seems right to you, and then do it. And uh, if you're trying to seek other people's approval, you never either ask yourself what feels like the right thing, Or if you do ask yourself if you think it might upset somebody or they may not like it or they may be mad at you about it, you won't do it. So nice guys are – as long as you're trying to please anybody else, you're you're not going to be a high-integrity kind of person. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody that you couldn't trust, you couldn't depend on their word, uh, that something might be bothering them or on their mind and they they never told you or you found out later – or as with true for a lot of nice guys it comes out in indirect passive aggressive ways when you're not expecting it which is another reason why nice guys fundamentally aren't nice is because of their passive aggressiveness.
1: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You you talked about how uh and I've seen this with a lot of you know not just men but a lot of people but a lot of times with with the nice guys that uh they're they're keeping score, a, a score that no one else is aware of except for them. Yeah.
2: That's a great way to put it, Brett, and and I see that a lot uh, in relationship, especially, and, and I tell couples I work with, anytime you put a scoreboard up in your living room, the relationship's in trouble. But but that's especially true with nice guys, and that scorekeeping often leads to what I call a victim puke, and that is you, you kind of keep things in, keep things in, keep things in, either all the things you believe you've done for other people that haven't been reciprocated or all the things you keep in that other people you perceive have done to you and you feel like a victim. And sooner or later, that stuff is going to come out in, in not so very nice ways.
1: Hmm. So how did this this nice guy develop? I mean, is this a recent phenomenon or has it been with us for a while?
2: You know, I, I, I suspect there, there have always been um, uh, milk toast kind of guys and hen-pecked kind of husbands. I really believe it it has really come to um to be to be much more prominent now for, for i think at least a couple of reasons one is is that at least the men i work with i see a lot more men growing up in homes where they were not connected to their fathers either cuz dad was absent he was gone uh he worked too much um, or the the boy was trying to be different from his father, either dad was angry, uh, philandering, alcoholic, treated mom badly. So I see a lot of young men that have grown up, and I'm in that category as well, trying to please my mother, trying to get approval from women, uh, not feeling real connected to my father. And and I think so a real core part of that is, is the, the dominance of, of young men having to please women at an early age. Um, Whereas maybe 100, 150 years ago, uh, uh, young men would have spent a lot of time with their dads or uncles or cousins or grandfathers and and not been trying to be different from their fathers or trying to please women. So I I think that's a a really big part of it. And if you add to that, if you consider um, the typical school system, I'll often ask the men I work with how many male teachers they had between kindergarten and, and, and junior high. And the average is about one to one point five over you know all the guys i 've asked so if you think about it, even getting from third grade to fourth grade not only meant you learning how to do your reading, writing, and arithmetic, but usually even how to please a woman mm. and What I found is that when men start trying to figure women out and start trying to figure out how to make women happy, not only do they not make the women happy, as I've heard countless times from countless women, but the men become passive, indirect, pleasing, um, and is again passive aggressive and not particularly available to the woman they're actually trying to please.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. So how... How do these nice guy traits, the nice guy syndrome, how does, how does it get in the way of living a full life for a man? I mean, what areas do you see it? Does it affect just the love life? Does it affect work life? Is it, or does, is it very pervasive in all their life? You know, I found with most nice
2: guys, it tends to affect most areas of their life. Occasionally, I'll, see, I'll, I'll talk with a guy that'll say, well, yeah, at work, I'm not a nice guy. I kick ass. But at, as soon as I get home, I'm, I'm a pussy. I'm trying to make my wife happy. Um but I found with most nice guys, because of their, their, their um, emotional roadmap, their emotional paradigm of life, it really is in most areas trying to seek external validation through getting the approval of other people. It's in avoiding conflict, not having anybody upset or angry at them. It's through what I call covert contracts where they give to get where they give to other people hoping to get something in return. And usually for nice guys, what they're hoping to get in return is praise and validation and, and appreciation and recognition. But in, in, in almost always, when it comes to getting their needs met, they're typically giving to other people hoping that other people then will give back to them without them having to ask. So if you look at it, if if you have a person who's seeking external validation, trying to please everybody he meets, uh, not being fully honest and transparent, not letting people know what he thinks or wants or what's on his mind or or, or what's bothering him, Um, if he avoids conflict, if he's always trying to make sure everybody's happy and nobody's upset at him, if he can't make his own needs a priority, if he can't be honest, if he can't face his fears and his challenges, if his anxiety's ruling him, okay, take that whole package right there. And it usually is going to affect every area of his life, and I found that the core areas where I tend to work with nice guys the most is around um, women and relationships, around sexuality, and around work and career, and around having passion and living up to their potential. So those are usually the biggest areas that that I see get manifested, where nice guys tend to, to be frustrated in those areas. But because they they assume that the roadmap they're following of trying to be a good man, get everybody's approval, avoid rocking the boat, because they think that's a legitimate roadmap to take them where they want to go, when they get frustrated, they they don't know what else to do but just try harder doing more of the same thing.
1: Hmm. That never works. That, That never, never works. Well,
2: it never works. It's like, you know, say somebody gives you a map of Cleveland and plops you down in Seattle and says, you know, find your way to, you know, the courthouse. And uh, if you believe that map should help you find a way to navigate a way to the courthouse, but it doesn't seem to work. But if you think that map is accurate, you're just going to keep trying harder, getting more frustrated, and not be particularly successful. And that's what I see with nice guys. They're following a roadmap they believe should take them where they want to go, but the roadmap is completely inaccurate, outdated, and, and just totally flawed. But they just keep trying harder anyway.
1: Hmm. All right, so Dr. Glover, a lot of men might be hearing this right now and might be thinking, "You know, this is me. I'm, I'm what you're saying describes me perfectly." What can these men do um, to shed the nice guy syndrome?
2: Uh, that's a great question, and, and of course, there's not a single simple answer to that. Now, typically, when I talk with people about nice guy syndrome, whether I'm uh, talking with guys or talking with women that are curious about what what I teach men. The question often is, well, are you saying I should become a jerk? You know, should I become an asshole and just start not caring what anybody thinks? And, and this is a typical black and white thinking that maybe most humans fall prey to, but especially nice guys. Nice guys tend to see everything in black and white. Now, the, the other thing that I'll hear is, is not only the question, well, do you have to become a jerk? I'll often hear nice guys say something like, well, you know, I, I realize that being, you know, a passive pleaser isn't working to get what I want. And I, and I realize I don't want to become a jerk or be like my father. Uh, so I want to find uh, a happy balance somewhere between the two. And what I often tell men is that I don't know where the tipping point is between two dysfunctional extremes. <laughs> so actually what I teach men is is how to understand what I call a third model of masculinity. Uh, I look at, at both the asshole jerk and the pleasingly passive nice guy as what I call um, – uh, first order men. They're both just trying to manage their anxiety by controlling the people in situations outside of them. The asshole jerk tends to do it with threat and, and strength and, and uh, bravado, whereas a passive nice guy tries to manage people in situations uh, with subtlety and indirectness. Okay? But they're both still trying to do the same thing. So what I teach men fundamentally is where they have to begin is recognizing where their roadmap is not working and begin to look at a different model to, to where they, they become a, a second-order person, second-order man. And this second-order man begins by living in integrity. He, he's conscious of what he wants in life. And, and a real core issue I found with the guys I work with is that they have to learn to soothe their anxiety because nice guy syndrome is fundamentally an anxiety-based disorder. Everything they do is trying to keep their anxiety in bay. Well, if you're out there living a life, if you're challenging yourself, if you're putting yourself in new situations, if you're dealing with people in conflictual situations, you're going to feel anxious. The key is not either intimidating people to get them to change or manipulating them, the key is learning to hold on to yourself and you soothe your anxiety from the inside. so that is probably one of the most core fundamental issues that I work with recovering nice guys around is how to learn to soothe their anxiety so that they can lean into things that frighten them and they're challenging
1: and I imagine though um, that say there is a nice guy in a relationship who starts doing this type of thing who starts kind of setting mm-hmm. boundaries for himself and uh, not, you know, completely trying to please his partner, uh, in every aspect. Um, there's gonna be some pushback that their partner might, uh, not like this. I mean, is this, could this challenge the relationship? I mean, could this end relationships that a nice guy might have?
2: Well, it, it of course it could, because I, uh, as I said, I'm, uh, my, my background and my doctorate is in marriage and family therapy. So I'm, I'm a systems, I tend to look at the systems that people co-create with each other. So I look at every relationship, say between two adults that are in an intimate relationship. Those two people have unconsciously co-created a system that works for both of them at some level and often in very dysfunctional ways. That system is co-created by both people, usually to let them use the relationship technology skills they learned when they were three years old uh, in their family of origin. So oftentimes, for example, if you have a person who one of his strongest relationship skills is being a fixer and problem solver, what kind of person will he have to attract to himself to do what he does best?
1: Yeah, that's obvious. I'll,
2: I'll let you answer that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's obvious. He's going to have to track somebody that, that has problems that need fixing, and that person probably has spent all of their life being perceived as a problem that needs fixed, and so when they get with the nice guy, it feels normal to them, too. Now, what i found... In talk, People say, well, for example, how do women react to your book, or has there been a backlash against you teaching men to be not nice? And, and you know the truth is, I've got stacks, probably a foot high, of emails at home that I've printed out of, of email I've got from men and women all over the world in response to my book. And in that stack of email, I think I have two emails from women that were critical of my book, and it was obvious they hadn't even read the book. So women like it. They like that I'm teaching men to be honest, to have integrity, to tell them what's on their mind, to be transparent, to set the tone and take the lead in a loving, integrated way in their relationship and not burden the woman with having to make all the decisions. By the way, guys, women hate it. They hate it when you ask, what do you want to do tonight? (laughs) Now, we guys think we're being nice. We think we're giving them the choice and the option, and that's a kind thing to do, but women hate it. It, They feel burdened when we men say, what do you want to do tonight? They want us to show up and say, hey, put on your dancing shoes, let's go dancing. Now, they can always say, no, I don't feel like it, which is fine, but at least show up with a plan. So what I found is that when men start doing what I teach them to do, in general, their partners like it. Now, yes, it can can cause their partner anxiety as well and that's one of the beauties of relationship that that turns it into what I call a personal growth machine. That if one person challenges themselves and grows and holds on to themselves and soothes their anxiety and their other person feels anxiety because of it, but if their partner holds on to themselves and continues the path, that person then gets to hold on to themselves and soothe their anxiety and together the relationship helps both people grow.
0: Hmm.
2: Now, will it break apart some relationships if a man starts showing up, being honest, asking for what he wants, setting boundaries, not tolerating bad behavior? Yeah, it
1: will. All right. Well, Dr. Glover, uh, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure.
2: It's been great chatting with you. And uh, if, if any of the, your listeners want to find out more about my books or online classes, um, they can just check out no nomoremisterniceguy.com and get all the information there.
1: All right. Our guest today was Dr. Robert Glover. Dr. Glover's the author of the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. And to find out more information about his book, check out nomoremisterniceguy.com. That wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness podcast at artofmanliness.com. And until next time, stay manly.